Well, amen, amen. Good morning, everyone. It is great to see all of you here. It is great to be in a house of the Lord with you as we come together to worship our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I also want to say thank you for those of you who are watching online and for those of you who are joining us through the United Methodist uh, uh, Facebook page. We're so grateful for that. I want to let you know that today we start, if you don't know it already, we start our Advent series and that every weekend is going to be a different theme. This week is going to deal with hope and faithfulness. And every weekend, we're going to provide a character in the Bible that brings us closer to what we're going to experience as we celebrate the birth of our Savior on Christmas Eve. Today, we're going to be dealing with Zechariah, and I'm going to go right into the scripture today. I'm going to invite you to please open up your Bible to the, uh, the Gospel book of Luke, chapter 1. Now, I'll be reading from the NLT version, so if you have your own Bible, or for those of you who are watching online, have your own Bible, maybe different translation, but I pray you follow along. But the words to this scripture reference will also be up on the screens. I also want to let you know that I will be stopping intermittently to share more information throughout this story. So again, we're going to go right into verse 5. Verse 5 says, when Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife, Elizabeth, was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive, and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. While the incense was burning, a great crowd stood outside praying. Well, let me pause there for a moment. I want to share with you regarding you know, the, the priestly orders and things. So King David had created 24 orders of priests all of whom were descendants of Moses' brother, uh, Aaron. Each order served for a week at a time, twice a year. Now, a priest had to be the son of a priest, and we just heard that's what Zechariah fell under. Now, Zechariah belonged to the order of Abijah. Now, when it was his week to serve, his duties were assigned by lot, as we just heard. Most tasks related to animal sacrifices, inspecting the animals, performing the sacrifices, uh, butchering the carcass. Now, the family offering the sacrifice and the priests ate the meat. Other priestly tasks included uh, offering prayers or uh, script, you know, scripture reading. They also um, received the agricultural tithes as well as singing. When the lot fell on a priest to serve in the sanctuary of the Lord, it was a rare occasion. Zechariah's burning incense inside the sanctuary might have been the only time in his career or his lifetime that he did so. Now, in the book of Leviticus, chapter 16, verses 12 and 13, it actually precisely details what the priests are supposed to do when they're burning incense in the sanctuary of the Lord. Now, Zechariah uh, likely followed these commands to the letter. 
Why? Because in verse 13 of that Leviticus passage, it reads, if he, and the priest that's doing this, if he follows these instructions, he will not die. Now, I know, I know, right? So if I receive instructions, if you do this, you won't die. I'll make sure that I do it to the letter. I don't know about you. <laughs> Let's continue on with verse 11. Verse 11 says, while Zechariah was in the sanctuary, the angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. Let me pause there. I don't know about you, but I don't blame Zechariah. To see an angel must have been an amazing experience, but as well as a frightening experience, both at the same time. But one important note I want to say here about Zechariah was that he was about doing his religious duties, but he never envisioned that God would actually meet him there. Now, it comes to question, I wonder, I wonder what that says about our attendance in worship. We come to God and worship, but do we have any idea or ex an expectations that God will meet us as we worship? One of the things that we do is that we invite the precious Holy Spirit to unite us because we're many members, but we form that one body, having Christ as the head of the body, but we, as we come together in singing, as we come together in giving, we open up our arms and say, hey God, here we are. But what do we do? What is our a reason for coming to worship? It's, it's important to say that Zechariah seems to have believed in God, but never had expected, again, to work God to work in his own life. He served God, but he was not ready when God spoke to him personally through the angel Gabriel. He did not live with the expectations for God to act in his life. And we got to make sure, ladies and gentlemen, that when we come before the presence of the Almighty God, that we're not only just giving, but we're also, God, let me experience your blessing. Let me experience your presence. So therefore, it is not just coming in and saying that you just checked off the mark that you were here on a Sunday or any other day that you come to church, but there is a reason for doing so. Now, it is interesting to note that uh, the name Zechariah means God has remembered. And that's important here because I'm going to continue on with verse 13. Verse 13 says this, But the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Remember, he was, he was frightened. Don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Now, it doesn't say how long he was... Um, Waiting, But I know in the midst of the prayer, and that's what it is, God, his name, Zechariah, means God has remembered. It seems like God had remembered his prayer here. It says, your wife Elizabeth will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will be great. He will be great, a joy and gladness, and, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must not touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. 
He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And in about three weeks, you're going, uh, in two more weeks, you're going to hear how this word right here came to fruition because when uh, Elizabeth was in the house and, and Mary came in, there was a leap uh, in her womb like the Holy Spirit was, and so it is fulfilling the word here. And then he says, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with a spirit. Let me find myself here. See, I get too excited. He will, be, he, he will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Oh, and all in the midst of all that, Gabriel, the angel, is telling Zechariah that his son would be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit and prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. In verse 18, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen? I'm an old man and my wife is also along in years. You know, Zechariah like his ancestor Abraham, responded with skepticism. Both were old men married to women who could not conceive, but both would be fathers of miracle babies of historic importance. Zechariah uses the excuse that he is an old man. Let me ask you, what excuse do you say, do we say? to God when he places something in our hearts and minds. Now, in spite of Zechariah's godliness, his obedience to the law, and a lifetime of service in this ministry, he doubted when it came to believing the promise. In this verse, Zechariah says, how can I be sure this will happen? Isn't that something? Maybe it's a, po it's a possibility that you've either thought or have even said out loud or if you've heard somebody else say something like this, God, if you would just show me a sign. God, if I can just hear the trumpets blaring and I can just be visited by an angel, oh, I would do this. Oh, and I would do that. Oh, God, I'll, I'll never doubt again. Just show me the sign. Am I the only one that has said that before? No? Okay. All right, I just want to make sure. <laughs> now, why is it? Here, Zechariah, a godly man, was visited by an angel, and he doubted what the angel said. Why is it that when we hope for something, and when the answer finally arrives, we doubt it? See, a lack of faith or doubt has its consequences. Because of Zacharias' unbelief, let's see what happens on verse 19. I'm going to go 19 and 20. It says, Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, but now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent 
and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Here the angel Gabriel confronts Zacharias' lack of faith using his own words. You may be an old man, but I am Gabriel and I stand in the presence of God. I am not speaking for my own account. It's what the Lord God has told me to uh, share with you. Zechariah, in asking, how can I be sure, is in effect asking for a sign. Gabriel grants him a sign, but not the sign that uh, Zechariah was hoping for. Zechariah is to be mute until the birth of his son in fulfillment of the promise. How many of us would not be speaking today if our sign, if that was our sign of unbelief? Oh, oh, yeah, no. (laughs) Verse 21. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision in the sanctuary. Let me pause there. It is so important, ladies and gentlemen, to understand what's happening here. Zechariah was in the sanctuary of the Lord. He was, his duties was to burn incense, but something happened. He had an encounter with God. And so, in essence, he came into the sanctuary, the presence of the Almighty God, just as he was. But when he was experiencing God's presence, there was a change in his life. And therefore, when we come to the Almighty God's presence, we can come as we are. However, if you leave the same way you came in, did we really encounter the presence of the Almighty God? There must be a change in our lives, and sometimes those changes are not said. You can be silent, but people, just like those who were waiting outside of that temple, they saw something by the gestures and the silence of Zechariah that something had happened in his life. Ladies and gentlemen, sometimes we don't even have to say anything, but by the way that we act, After we experience the blessing and the forgiveness of God and the peace of God and the love of God and the list can go on and on because God provides so many things, people can see a change in you without you saying a word. That's what they saw in Zechariah. In verse 23, It says, when Zechariah's week of service in the temple was over, he returned home. Isn't that interesting that despite of this astounding revelation, Zechariah, the ever-faithful priest, did not return home with the news until he had completed his week of service at the temple. Verse 24 says, soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. As we just heard, soon after his return, Elizabeth became pregnant. She went into seclusion for five months, and during this time, Zachariah would have performed his regular job 
Now, we don't know what his job must have been, but usually the, the, the priests, after they were done with their duties, that's twice a year, they would go and maybe uh, be scribes or, or judges or interpret the, the, the Torah or even a teacher. When Zechariah and Elizabeth's son was born, the neighbors and relatives wanted him to be named Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth insisted his name be John, and when they asked Zechariah for his opinion, he wrote on a tablet, remember he was mute, he wrote on a tablet that his name is John. And the Bible says that instantly Zechariah could speak again, and what did he do? He began praising God. That's later on in the book of Luke, chapter 1. And in fact, news of this miraculous event spread through the surrounding countryside. People, people uh, uh, speculated about what the future would hold for this special child. And Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, he offered this prophecy. And I'm going to uh, go all the way down to verse 68. He said this. Again, he's no longer mute. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior for the, from the royal line of his servant David. Just as he promised through his uh, holy prophets long ago, now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. He has been merciful to our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant, the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins because God's tender mercy and morning light from heaven is about to break, through, uh, break upon us to give us light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path of peace. Ladies and gentlemen, the story of Zechariah has uh, several things to teach us and understanding how God works. And I want to provide you at least three points here. There's many more, but I'll share with you three points. The first one is that our impossibilities are only the platforms upon which God is able to do his best work. When you have to come to an end of your hope like Zechariah, you can trust God is with you. For example, you may hope that a certain family member will change his or her behavior. You can hope that a medical condition that you may have will be resolved. Hope that you will uh, ever find the right job. Remember that nothing frustrates God. He has a plan, and in spite of our lack of faith, will accomplish his plan. It's not on your timing, but it is in God's timing. And if it's not through you, he will accomplish it through someone else. The second one is God's delays are not denials. Never uh, confuse a wait with a no. 
God may simply be saying that you will have to wait. But when faced with a wait, we can either allow it to cause doubt or we can use it to grow spiritually. We can put our trust, our trust back on God. The third one is when God does choose to intervene, it is always, ladies and gentlemen, for his glory. You see, that being said, it's also for our good. But God may not answer your prayer in a way that you expected. But you can be assured that God's ways is best and his answers are made at the proper time. When our faith is lacking, understand this. That in spite of our doubts and lack of faith, God can use us in powerful ways. Even in times when our faith may waver, God will use us to accomplish his will. It may come with some consequences, but in the end, ladies and gentlemen, God always wins. So when we have, have doubts, trust God. When we feel hopeless, lean on God. Even though we fall short of his glory, God remains faithful. You know, there's a song that I heard recently, and part of the words that says, Though in my heart I have questioned and failed to believe, he's been faithful faithful to me.